Welcome to Everyday Strong, the podcast that teaches parents, teachers, and other caring adults how their everyday loving actions can help their teens cope with anxiety and depression. Hi, and welcome to the Everyday Strong podcast. This is Eliza, and today we have a guest on our show um, from Cache Valley, Utah. Dr. Michael King is a parent and family relations expert in River Heights, Utah. While he was studying his degrees at Utah State University, he was involved with the family sports lab at Utah State University, but now he is currently the director of a program called Legacy Kids, which is a youth development program serving families in Cache Valley. Um, Today, we are excited to welcome Dr. King on to talk a little bit about the topic of youth sports and resilience. So welcome, Dr. King. We're excited to have you as a guest on our podcast. Yeah, it's great to be with you. So tell me a little bit more about your background. What got you interested in youth and parenting and even organized sports? Yeah, sure. So I I was blessed with a great academic experience. Each of my degrees uh, I was able to earn from Utah State University. So starting in my bachelor's, studying family, consumer, and human development, and was able to minor in psychology. And then I came back for a master's in marriage and family therapy, and then later came back again uh, to complete my doctoral work in human development and family studies. And, and all the while, I was really interested in this question of what do children need from their parents, and how can we help parents uh, feel more empowered in real-world situations? And so if you think of youth sport, it's such a great setting for that because millions of families across the United States find themselves heavily involved in this setting, and, and even more so about this setting, uh, parents are especially involved when compared maybe to other extracurricular activities. Mm. Parents find themselves all sorts of involved, you know, whether it's having to drive across town or across the state for those tournaments or being there for, for games multiple times a week. You know, it looks different based on league and, and developmental stage, but parents are investing a whole lot of time and energy into this setting, and so it represents a really important context uh, for real-world uh, parenting situations. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. You see this all over the country, so many different groups of parents. Um, everyone, you know, everyone wants their kids to be involved in sports, even if the parents themselves aren't that into sports. I know that's true of my parents. They were not athletic themselves, but they still thought it was really important to put their kids in sports. Right. So why, why is this idea of organized sports so popular? Like, what are some of the benefits for kids and how can it help meet their, both their physical and emotional needs? Right. It's a good question. And, and each of us as parents, we want good things for our kids. And so I think at the surface, youth sports represents a lot of the things that we want uh, for our child. We want them to develop a good worth eth- work ethic. We want them to be able to handle um, tough losses. We want them to be gracious in victory. You know, we want all of these positive outcomes uh, for our children. And it's, you know, this is an interesting discussion of, well, what are some of those, um, what are those benefits of organized youth sport? Because while the research has certainly revealed uh, that youth sport is linked with numerous physical, psychological, and social benefits, research has also linked it to other concerning behaviors like risk-taking or eating disorders or or low self-esteem Mm-hmm. and aggression. And so what we try to really help parents understand that the outcomes associated with youth sport really are determined by the specific environment that your child engages in. So you think of just everyone that would be involved there, the coaches, the other athletes, the other parents, 
you know, what's the, what's the environment or what's the climate and the sideline behavior? You know, all these things really combine together to create that environment that your, your child is specifically engaged in that really plays a large role in, in determining, well, what are those outcomes? And so when we think of, well, how can this setting really help, uh, help my child meet their physical and emotional needs? You have to look at how that specific league is structured. What are their goals? What is their mission? What effort and resources uh, do they put towards uh, providing meaningful training uh, to those that are involved in this setting? What sort of feedback are they able to get? Because that paradigm that the league takes into practices, into games, those translate into the overall experience for the child and determines the outcome. So if we, if we want them to gain all these great things that we're looking for from youth sport, that's not a guaranteed and that's not an automatic. Um, we can't just put all the things on the field and we've got the goals on the field, <laughs> we've got the jerseys on, and that means we're going to get the benefits. There's a whole lot more to it that we have to be deliberate about to structure out that setting so that we can actually uh, experience, uh, experience those benefits and see those outcomes for our children. I think you bring up a couple of really interesting points there. One one thing I took note of was this idea that obviously the parents play a really important role in that experience, but it's also the coach and the league. There are other, you know, adults in the lives of kids in that environment of sports that play have an important impact on the child's experience. Um I also really like this idea of like, you know, the outcome is uncertain. Like it's it's our deliberate actions to make that experience a really growth building experience of you know what a a good what is the word I'm looking for but it's it's really up to the parents and to those adults to really have an impact on what the outcome is for that child in the sport well and if you think of the league and they're rarely going to prescribe uh, the outcomes that we're going for or like prescribe your motivations or your goals for why you're involved that's something mm. that you have to, again, we encourage parents, be deliberate about that. What is it that you're specifically looking for from this? Because a lot of times parents just get involved. I met, I was talking with a mother the other day that said, well, we just do it. We never even stopped to question why we were devoting so much time and energy to this thing called youth sport. We just never really questioned it. It's just something that the parents in our neighborhood did was sign our child up for this specific sport. And so we really encourage parents be deliberate. Like It's great to have them involved, but what are you specifically looking for? Are you looking for uh, more opportunities for social connections? Are you looking for increased confidence? Are you looking for them to develop a good work ethic? You can get all of those things from youth sport, but rarely are they just going to happen randomly. We have to be deliberate about that and work with the coach, work with the other you know, organizers of that league to really create the best environment possible so that we can get those we can get those outcomes. So again, it's really, to me, it's a lot of it comes down to us being deliberate as parents of trying to get from that experience what we're really looking for from our child. And all the while, and I should mention this, you know, all the while having your child engaged in that process, mm. checking in with them yeah. and seeing, well, because a lot of friction from youth sport happens when there's that incongruence between a parent's goals and a child's goals, where the parent, maybe they're looking for a high achieving athlete or a yes, scholarship or yeah. professional participation. And the child just loves picking daisies on the field and talking with friends. And they love that snack that they get afterwards. That represents a huge, uh, there's a huge gap between the goals there that can lead to a whole lot of friction and ultimately just a negative experience for the child. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces here that can feel sometimes overwhelming. 
But I think there's just, if we talk about, you know, these few actionable items, we can, I mean, if we're deliberate, we can make it into a great experience for them. I am so glad you brought up that last point about it's so important to have your child's input into that process of deciding what are our goals. Because, yeah, if you're just as a parent going and like saying, okay, like here's here's goal number one, here's goal number two, and like let me sign up my child for the sport that's going to achieve that goal. Like, ooh, like I, that definitely doesn't quite fit into our resilience framework because we put so much emphasis on the need um, to partner with your child in all things and to discover their own internal motivation. So I think you bring up a really excellent point there about, you know, trying to be on the same page as your child with the goals for participating in any organized sport. Yeah, and that can be an uncomfortable conversation for for parents. Is one of the things that in my work with parents, I really try to help them understand the value of having your child develop a sense of autonomy and giving them a at least somewhat of a sense of autonomy in that youth sport experience can feel a little bit uncomfortable for parents because mm-hmm. they're like, well, no, I like we we already have devoted so much time and energy and money into this specific sport. And now you want to quit it altogether or you want to switch over to this sport. That can be really, that can be a tricky thing to navigate for parents, but where possible and where we can, giving them that sense of autonomy, that's a really valuable skill that that plays very well into resilience but also in just helping this child develop into a, a, a well-adjusted adult. Uh, because when we think of that transition to adulthood, that's when they have complete autonomy over their schedule, over their day, over what activities they do and don't engage in. And so these experiences in youth sport, they represent important building blocks of building up that sense of autonomy. And so giving them some autonomy over that youth sport experience can be really powerful and it represents an important building block into the youth development process. You know what? And you bring up such an interesting, you know, kind of struggle that parents deal with this idea of quitting any extracurricular activity. Like you get to a point where you've invested maybe years of resources and time into a certain sport or even, a, you know, a musical instrument or a dance class or any of that. And it's it can be really hard to know as a parent, like, when is the time to just let your kid make the call? Like, hey, I'm done with this because. I think we had, there's a lot of conflicting beliefs out there about, you know, like quitting just has such a negative connotation to that word. And it can be so hard, like, you know, thinking to yourself, oh, but if my child gives up, you know, they're losing so much, like that's not building resilience. Like, I just want them to push through. It's getting a little bit harder as they get older. But like, if they just keep pushing through, like they'll build that resilience, they'll, they'll get those skills that they need and they'll be really successful. But then also there's a lot of value in letting your child have the autonomy to decide when they're no longer interested in pursuing something and to devote their time and energy to something else. What are your thoughts on that? Like, how do you weigh that balance? Man, that is, that's, that's one of the main questions here that, that really has to be answered on a case-by-case basis. Because one of the things I wouldn't want parents to take away from this conversation is like the first time a child mentions any idea of quitting or giving up, to turn that into, okay, fine, we're done. You know, I want to yeah. give you your autonomy, mm-hmm. so now we're done. Because like what you're talking about, these represent important opportunities to work through a struggle. To If there's a specific skill that they're learning in their sport, that struggle to master that skill will translate really well to other activities that they'll engage in in adulthood. You know, the example that I use a lot with my university students is you think of that chemistry class that you had to take that was really, really hard you know, the skills that you gain from experiences like like dance, like soccer, like football, like music, 
those experiences can translate really well into building up that sense of confidence, that sense of capability or self-efficacy where you can actually perform better in that setting because you overcame the struggle of that specific skill in yeah. soccer or in football. And a lot of people have, a, they maybe d sometimes don't give enough, um, you know, give enough credit to how much those skills actually do translate. And so that is one thing I don't want parents to take away. As soon as they mention like, oh, maybe this is just, uh, maybe I want to quit, mm -hmm. like that they just quit right away. It's a more in-depth conversation because if it is like a certain skill that they just feel like it's a lot harder for them to learn than their peers, but they still want to master it. I mean, we absolutely want to support them in continuing and trying to overcome that struggle and really get them to that next level that they want to get to. Mm -hmm. But if the conversation looks more like, I just hate the sport and everything about it, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not for me. It doesn't fit because the child, remember they're developing year by year. They're almost like a completely different person. Their body is changing. What their interests are are changing. And so they may just want to do something else. And so it's it's a more in-depth conversation. And I don't want to present this as if I have the clear and uh, the clear-cut solution across every scenario. It's an in-depth conversation. And I think it's an ongoing discussion. You know, you yeah. don't have to make it like you don't have to make a decision here and now. Uh, hopefully with time that it'll become more clear. Of, well, what is it that we're looking for? You know, there's something that Dr. Dorsch, the director of the Families and Sport Lab uh, at Utah State, there's a, an illustration that he would always provide that I think is just great. That if you think of a trip to Disneyland, what you're paying for, and you're paying a whole lot for that, what mm -hmm. you're paying for is an experience. You're not paying to bring Mickey home. You're not paying to bring the, the roller coaster rides home. You're, you're paying for memories. You're paying mm -hmm. for a good experience. You're, you're paying for family bonding. These are a lot of important things. These are things that, you know, they lead into stronger and happier families. But you don't have like a clear cut, you know, maybe you bring home some souvenirs, but you're not bringing home the, the, the amusement park. There are other intangibles that you're actually bringing home from that experience. And so we can understand youth sport many times in that same way of, well, if a child, you know, drops out or quits, it's very possible that we got what we were looking for from that experience rather than it just representing them quitting or them giving up or that it was a failure because they didn't participate in varsity or they didn't get a scholarship. And because they didn't, this represents a failure. You know, this goes back to that idea of being deliberate about your goals, because if you wanted your child to have some fun, like if that's, you were just looking for a fun experience, you know, good time with friends and some increased confidence and just some, you know, some physical motor skills that were, you know, that you wanted to help them develop, then that was an absolute success. You know, so it really, I think it does tie directly back to, well, what were your, what were your goals for that experience? And were those goals, were those goals in line for what, with what your child was looking for? I absolutely agree. And I think it's also so important to reinstate the fact that like, every situation is going to be different. Like, you know, your own child and you're going to know what call needs to be, needs to be made about that sport or that other activity based off of your view of what they need, you know, physically and emotionally. So as long as you're keeping those needs in mind and, you know, working, partnering with that child to figure out like, what are the goals? Like, you know, if this is no longer a goal, like what is the new, next goal? Like, I think I think you can be more confident moving forward either with either decision to quit or to, to keep pushing in that area. Right. right. 
I'm so grateful I get to be here with you twice a month talking about these big questions and concerns. And I'm especially grateful that our sponsor, Revere Health, makes it possible for us to do this work. We'll be back with more of this interview right after this break. What does it mean to offer the best health care? At Revere Health, we believe it means improving patient health outcomes, keeping costs affordable for you and your family, and being your partner in healthcare decision-making. With 30 medical specialties, including family medicine, and over 100 clinics throughout Utah, Revere Health is here for you. Revere Health, your partner in health, your partner for life. Find out more at reverehealth.com. So I kind of want to move on to talk more about some of the culture around sports in the United States right now. So I'm hearing from a lot of parents, um, you know, complaints about how competitive some sports have gotten in recent years. Well, you know, honestly, for quite a while, actually, and how, you know, it's expensive. It's like the parents are investing a lot of money into this and there's a lot of pressure on even very young kids from schools or coaches to perform at a certain level. And I know some parents have the goal of like, I just want my kid to go out there and have fun like have a good time, make some friends, but they feel like, oh my goodness, like I was not ready for the pressure that comes with the organized sports at such a young age. How, like, what is your take on this? And like, how does this pressure affect kids' enjoyment of sports and what can parents do in this situation? Yeah, that's, boy, that's an important one. So if you think of just how much youth sports has grown over the past couple of decades and the billions and billions of dollars that go into this industry, you know, it really is, it's become, in many cases, it's become this setting that's structured and built out by adults. And we've built it out to kind of be something that adults want to consume. And children are the performers in that, if, if that makes sense. Rather than mm-hmm. remembering the goal that we have in mind of we're trying to build we're trying to build great people. We're trying to build people that are ready for adulthood. And so sometimes the vision can get lost. And I think a lot of that, again, it comes back to uh, if we don't have a clear vision and a clear purpose within our league, a lot of times what we'll deviate to is the culture and what we see around us. And a lot of times it is that pressure. It is that, that desire to perform at the highest level to get that scholarship, to get that spot on varsity. And so this is an important discussion because if that's what the child is looking for, they want to achieve at that highest level. They want that scholarship. They want to achieve at that high level. Then we support them in that. We try to create those opportunities where they can do that. And we help them handle the pressure associated with that. Because regardless of scenario, like situation that they're in or setting that they're in, there's going to be some form of pressure in there. It may look completely different. It may not be as Mm -hmm. much. But whatever setting they end up working in, and it's likely not going to be, you know, as a professional athlete, there's still going to be some some pressure involved. You know, think of doctors working as surgeons. You know, that's a high pressure situation. Yeah. You know, think of air, you know airline pilots. You know, they have hundreds of lives entrusted to them. That's a high pressure situation. And so we want them to be able to deal with. Um, we want them to be able to handle pressure in a healthy way, but we don't want to do it in a way where it's at their, at their expense, at, at the expense of their emotional health. So, so we see this all too often where kids are exposed at a younger and younger age to this high pressure in environment. 
where it almost looks like we have this group of five or six-year-olds exposed to an environment that would, you know, in the past would have been reserved for high-performing varsity athletes. And that's where you can really, at that, especially at that stage of development, kids are just looking for fun. They're looking mm-hmm. for fun opportunities. And if the pressure completely saps that away, we see high rates of burnout. And I think there's one stat, and uh, you know, I'll apologize to Dr. Dorsch if I get this wrong, but I think there was a stat that we would oftentimes cite when we're talking to parents, something around seven, seven out of 10 athletes dropping out by the age of 13. And that's really concerning because wow, yeah. well, well, where, where do they go after that? You know, there's a lot of other settings that maybe they're engaging in that are, that are beneficial. But youth sport is, is a great setting for development. It's a great context to develop these things. So anytime we're losing an athlete just because we're not doing it right or because we've built out the structure to be too much, um, to emphasize pressure too much or to emphasize performance too highly, that's when we really have to be willing to look into the mirror and say like, hey, are we doing this right? So again, it's, it's one of those things where I think it varies situation by situation. And there's no rule that says there can only be one kind of league. And so maybe if there's an existence of a league that is, you know, we're clear about it, we're looking for high performance, we're trying to develop elite mm-hmm. athletes, that's great. But are there other options as well that are more along the lines of, hey, we're just trying to build great opportunities for kids. We are totally, you know, emphasizing that fun. And at least from my perspective, there isn't really that, that's not really on the table right now for parents, or at least in a clear cut way where that's clearly articulated to parents of, you know, that this league will give you this experience and this league will give you this experience. So again, it comes back in my mind, it comes back to being deliberate of, well, if we're signing them up for this league, what is this league emphasizing? You know, I would want parents as, you know, one of the takeaways from today is to feel empowered as a consumer, if that makes sense, Mm, where it's, you know, there are a lot of different options out there for extracurricular activities. Feel empowered. There's no rule that says you have to do this certain one. Go find the one that's the best fit for your child. Because I've never met a parent that if I were to ask them, would you rather have a healthy adult in the future or would you rather have a high achieving athlete, but they're suffering emotionally? You know, I haven't come across a parent yet that would choose, yeah, I want, they can perform at a high level, but it's okay if they're struggling emotionally yeah, and they're just yeah. not in a good place. They would choose a healthy adult. Like, yeah, if they leave that sport that I was hoping they would be involved in, but they're good and they're feeling happy and they're able to have a great, um, you know, they're able to experience a healthy and happy life. That's the one that the parent is going to choose. And so, um, yeah, I want those parents to feel empowered that they can make decisions that fit the the needs and the desires of their family and and their children. You know, I, I like this idea of feeling empowered as a parent, as a consumer of sports, because you are the ones, you know, signing your kids up and paying for that sport. And I think what you said, like there aren't a lot of clear cut options where it's like, oh, this is the competitive sport for your six-year-old. This is the fun sport for your six-year-old. I think it's because so often we have this mental framework of like, oh, if it isn't competitive, like that's, that's bad. You know, like it's, it's the competitive one is the better one. The just for funsies one is the lesser, the lesser league. I think if more parents were vocal about, you know, this is my goal for my kid and this is what I want. And I'm, I'm seeking this out. I think we'd see a lot more options in the youth sports market for those things. Yeah, and that's what we can hope for is just more options in the future to really, again, be tailored to the individual needs of of a child and what it is that they're looking for and really building it out in a way where children can come and go, if that makes sense. Because Mm -hmm. we can almost think of youth sports as it exists today as this fast-moving train and that if you don't catch one of the early trains or you don't catch it early on, 
and it, it's just too late. You know, too often we hear of a child wanting to join a sport later on in development, you know, something yes, that, you know, crazy yeah. late in development, like 12 or 13 and, you know, <laughs> super, you know, super late in their development, but it's like, it's already too late for them to join because that competitive league, that fast moving train left the station when those kids were, were five, you know, that's, you know, that's the research is very clear that that's not the typical path to elite, um, you know, elite athletics or elite, uh, reaching the, an elite level of sport. You have a number of examples among professional athletes where they sampled many sports in their, um, in their development. You know, I'm, I'm big into tennis. And so oftentimes I'll share the example of a lot of your top performers, a lot of your best tennis players of all time were also soccer players. Um, also participated in other sports where the footwork that they learned in soccer directly translated to their, you know, to their play in tennis. And so um, we, we sometimes get caught up in thinking they've got to join one sport, they've got to join it early, and they've got to stay super, like you were talking about, stay super competitive if they're going to be able to reach, you know, whatever that, you know, reach that varsity level or reach that, you know, reach that highest level team. And so it's something that we, we want to be we want to be aware of, of how the culture and how the structure is set up right now and where we might be able to make some changes, because I'm certainly not of the attitude that we need to tear the whole thing down. Mm -hmm. I think we can make a couple of minor changes here and there that will really translate and, and pay off big time for, for the children that are involved. Yeah. So I love some of the, the things that you've mentioned so far about being deliberate and setting goals with your child to really like understanding the needs of your child and finding a league that mat matches that. Um, what are some other things that maybe like the ideal sports parent does in your mind? Like how can adults use, um, use team sports to help their kids build emotional resilience? Yeah, it's a great question. And so one that, I, you know, I'll just, you know, I won't jump into it because I feel like this is what I've, what we've been emphasizing is being deliberate and finding, um, being deliberate, being empowered as a consumer of finding the right opportunities for your child. And so I think we've, we've covered that pretty well. The other is, and we've addressed it, is understanding what your child is looking for from the experience. Remember the schedule of a lot of our children. It's a lot more structured than it was in the past. Even in my experiences, when I, when I think of how kind of my days looked compared to what my children are experiencing, there's, their days are oftentimes a lot more structured and there's a lot more activities um, kind of prescribed to them throughout the day. Where for me, it was kind of, I got home from school, I hopped on my bike and I was gone till dinner or maybe even later yeah. than that. Um, and a lot of times it's, they're getting picked up straight from school and they're off to this activity. And then from that activity, they go to this activity and then maybe we'll sneak in some food there at, at some point. And if we're lucky, maybe we'll get all together as a family. And so we have to remember the experience of, of children in the, the, the life of children today. And that's not to say that those activities are a bad thing, but again, back to this idea of understanding what your child needs and what it is that they're looking for. How much of the time of their day do they get to just be a kid? Uh, and, and we find more and more that they're getting less and less of that time. And that, and that, can, cause, that can cause quite a few problems. So that's one other thing I would say that we want to be aware of, and that, uh, to use your words, that ideal sports parent is intimately aware of, and they understand what it is that their child needs or what it is they're looking for from that experience. And then the last thing I'd say is, is be proactive, get involved. Um, volunteer to be, you know, my wife and I, a number of times we've, even if it's a sport we know close to nothing about, we've, and they're, they're looking for coaches and they can't find one. We've volunteered and say, well, we don't know this sport, we, but we can sure <laughs> learn. And if nothing else, we can definitely make this a good time, um, for the kids. And so that's something we take pride in is any of the teams that, 
that we coach. We can't guarantee um, we can't guarantee the best win loss record, but we can certainly guarantee that um, that our athletes are going to have the best time because we we're very deliberate about that. And I think we take a lot of value in those physical skills and the connection and the social skills they can gain along the way. But it's it, it's those opportunities where you can get involved. You know, so you can volunteer, you can bring those snacks, you can be that coach. And then speak up. If you're in an environment where you feel like the league has has lost their way or the the vision, um, maybe they do have a mission statement or a vision statement and the behavior on the sidelines doesn't match, speak up, talk to a coach, talk to an administrator and express your concerns. You know, our culture surrounding youth sport, those minor changes I was talking about that I feel like that we can make, that's going to happen one on that's going to happen one by one on an individual basis as parents, the parents especially the ones that are noticing that something's not quite right as they begin to speak up and as they get proactive, as they volunteer, as they, as they try to create opportunities to make that youth sport experience just a little bit better. So, and we could go on as far as like that ideal parent, you know, we could go on with a, a list of do's and don'ts, but I think it's really keeping those main principles in mind. And, and perhaps the last thing I would say is just allow opportunities for self-reflection. You know, sometimes we'll joke is a lot of times the cameras are pointed at the field what if we turn the cameras around at the parents? <laughs> you know, what type of experience? And we were able to review um, like we would uh, a game and our performance in a game. What if those cameras turned around and we were able to review our performance as, as spectators, as parents? Uh, that might be a really, uh, that might be a really difficult wake up call, but one that may be well in order and may be overdue. And so being willing to be self-reflective because you think of who's going to benefit from that. If you can really, you know, enhance your skills as a, as a youth sport parent, who's going to benefit from that? That's your child. They're going to have a better experience as you build out that environment. Again, think of those outcomes aren't an automatic. It's all about that environment that we set up around them. And the parents, the parents play, a, a, I mean, we can't overstate how important of a role that they play in determining what that environment looks like. For sure. And I love all the suggestions that you just mentioned. And I just wanted to add one thought that I had that I feel like we've kind of danced around, but the importance of creating that safety for your child to make mistakes within the context of youth sports. Like, you know, it can be really hard to develop those skills. And there is that pressure, you know, maybe from the coaches or from peers to perform at a certain level. But I think if parents can maintain that that safe environment to to grow and to improve and to maybe fail and at a certain sport or, you know, I think that also plays a huge role in building that emotional resilience. And I think so many of the things that we've talked about in this conversation go back to that, you know, like this idea of like talking about those goals, you know, when you understand what your kids' goals are, if they're failing in other areas of the sport, like that's okay. Like that's not the goal. Right. And like, you know, being deliberate and finding leagues that will, you know, have maybe more of a safe environment for kids to develop those skills versus a league that has less um, tolerance, for, like less of a growth mindset and more more of that pressure. Um, so I feel like that idea ties into so many of the things that you've mentioned in this conversation. Yeah, I, I love this idea of safety because that's what we want. Because again, youth sport represents a really great context to kind of put yourself out there to shoot that winning goal, to have to take that shot, to have to really put yourself out there as an athlete and, and have people depend on you. And as you mentioned, that ability to fail, like failure is a, an essential part of life. 
youth sport gives us plenty of opportunities to, maybe this isn't the best word, but to, to practice that, to become mm -hmm. familiar with it and know how to become resilient in, in the face of those failures. You know, there's that great commercial that I, uh, with Michael Jordan where he references all the times that he failed as an athlete. And that's the reason why he succeeds. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that for athletes like him that been able to achieve at a high level, they felt okay failing. They had people around them that allowed them to fail and get better and encouraged them to continue uh, to get better. So again, the goal doesn't have to be, you know, a, a, an elite athlete or professional athlete. Again, you think of what's that goal? We, we want to raise well-adjusted adults. We want to raise people that are ready for adulthood, uh, regardless of the, if they continue their youth sport experience. So that idea of safety and allowing them to be them and to fail and to, and to grow and to learn Youth sport is such a great setting for that. So I don't want I, I don't want to see youth sport go anywhere. I don't want it to go away. But there's a lot of potential for us to to really enhance it and to make it an even greater experience for for the athletes involved. For sure, for sure. And I think also the so many of the principles that we talked about in this conversation apply to all other extracurriculars as well. Um, and so I hope that parents that are listening to this episode will be able to even if they don't have a child that's heavily involved in sports, we'll be able to draw some of those things and use them in other activities that their child's involved with for also. Um, well, I think that about wraps up our conversation. We're really grateful that you could join us, Dr. King. And thanks so much for sharing your insights and have, um, thanks, thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. If this episode resonated with you, you can check out our free resilience handbooks and online learning at www.everydaystrong.org. These tools tell you exactly what you can do to help the kids in your life feel safe, connected, and confident. You can choose to create a relationship with your children that will help them to learn to be resilient, regardless of the challenges life throws their way.